Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be together. I love, I love all this life and all this mingling. This is great. Hey, it, it is so good to be together with you today. My name is Kent. Like Brian said, I'm one of the pastors here. Really excited to be sharing with you this morning. Uh, if you've been with us, you're excited too, because you know that we're smack dab in the middle of this series that we have been in, in the book of Luke, that we have called His Kingdom Come. All right, throughout this series, we've been talking about the reality that when Jesus spoke about his kingdom, he talked about more than just the place that we go when we die, but something way more significant. He talked about this reality that each and every one of us sitting in here is invited to join into the very will of God here and now. Now, throughout the the Bible and throughout this series, what, what we've been seeing is that while there are many dark moments in life, there are also moments where we can see evidence that God is on the move. That he doesn't just sit somewhere far off up in the clouds and stay uninvolved and safe. That the God that we believe in rolls up his sleeves and he gets involved in the mess here and now. And for me, this has been like just really good news because if if I'm honest, and I think if all of us are honest, like there's a lot of mess in our world today, isn't there? There's a lot of mess in our lives. When you turn on the news, you see all this stuff, right? There's, There's pain, there's poverty, broken families, sex trafficking, racism, COVID, other disease. There's increasing anxiety and, and mental health struggles, right? And, and we're more and more tempted to escape it all by, by just hopping on social media. And then we see more and more anxiety, increasing disunity and increasing arguing. It's ironic to me that, that so much of our culture is geared towards making us happy and healthy. And yet at the same time, we can seem so unhappy and so sick. Now, I, I start this way. Not to, not to be really depressing. I, I know that this sounds kind of like a downer. I, I said this on campus a couple weeks ago. I'm saying this because I want each of us to know that, that this phrase, his kingdom come, is more than just like a cute statement that, we, that we've made up. That we believe as, as a church that this is a cry for life. That it's, that it's a declaration that, that the way forward is not by getting more of our own way, but by getting more of Jesus's way. That his kingdom is where we find hope for the future and life for right now. And so throughout this series, we're just seeking to understand that more. And today we're gonna we're gonna continue to to seek to do that. Because what I think is that while most of us in here would probably agree with this statement, his kingdom come, we gather together and we sing about it and we talk about it and all this stuff. I think if we're honest, when we leave church and when we enter into our relationships with with friends and family and, and our workplaces and all this stuff that we struggle, that we struggle with this. Our attitudes, our behaviors show that that deep in our hearts, myself included, that we tend to drift more into building our own kingdoms. We become more and more selfish, more self-focused, and as a result, more angry, more jealous. Our hearts get bent out of shape, and so week after week, we need to come together, and we need to examine our hearts. And that's all we're gonna do today. We're simply gonna ask this big question but it's, it's really simple. Just how is your heart? How is your heart this morning? The passage of scripture that we're gonna come to in the book of Luke is gonna help us answer this, this question. It's essentially a mirror that's gonna show us a bunch of different examples of what our hearts might look like so that we can examine them before God. And so we're just gonna dive in this morning. If you have a Bible at this point, you can go ahead and, and take it out, turn it on if you have to, whatever you gotta do, and meet me in Luke chapter eight. And I'm going to be starting in verse 4. While you're turning there, up until now, what, what we've seen in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus 
is that he's starting to gain popularity, that he's talking about this new kind of kingdom, and it was completely revolutionary. And so everybody wanted to know, what is this Jesus up to? And we're picking up chapter 8, verse 4. says this, while a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let them hear. His disciples then asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those who with noble and good heart hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now that's, that's a long passage. It's a lot. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this before. If you've ever t- taken a Bible class on a college campus, you've probably read this before. Um, but we're going to pa- unpack it wherever you're at because there's a lot there. So we see at the beginning, Jesus is drawing a crowd and he begins to speak this parable. This is the first parable in the ministry of Jesus in, in the book of Luke. And it has two functions here. It's meant to both reveal and to conceal truths about the kingdom of God to reveal and conceal, right? He said to his disciples, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, that he had revealed them to his disciples. But to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. You see, Jesus is showing this interesting reality that to some, his parables would clarify things more, but to others, they would mystify things more. That, that, that some would see, but not see would hear, but not really hear. And it's interesting when Jesus says this, what he's doing is he's actually referencing an Old Testament passage. He's referencing Isaiah 6, 9 there. So stick with me for a second while I just geek out because I'm kind of a nerd and I like to get into Old Testament history and that kind of stuff. But what Jesus is referencing is way back in the Old Testament, God chose the nation of Israel as his people. But time and again, they, they chose to go their own way. They proved that they wanted to pursue their own kingdoms and not God's. And so over hundreds of years, this pattern persists, and eventually God pronounces judgment upon them. And his judgment to them is simply to let them go in the way that they wanted to go. He doesn't force them to listen to him. He simply grants them permission to close their eyes and their ears toward him. This is the reality that Jesus is referencing here, that that by quoting Isaiah, what he's showing us 
is that his kingdom is made available to each and every one of us in very much the same way. That he doesn't force it upon us, that he simply grants us permission to either listen or not. That he simply throws out his word like a farmer scattering seed. For those of us who truly receive the word, who take it in with a receptive heart, that we have the opportunity to receive the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But for those who won't receive the word into their hearts, there's this warning. Be warned, you are not forced, right? Instead, we simply can go on our way to receive our true desires, to continue building our own little kingdoms. This is, this is meant to be the foundation of the entire passage, and it's meant to kind of cause some concern and some shock within us. It's meant to cause us to reflect, like if we really believe that, that the way forward through all the brokenness and hurt in the world is for his kingdom to come and not ours, then we have to ask the question, like, are we ready to receive it? Like, are our hearts in a condition to receive the real kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about here? Or do our hearts look like one of these different postures? So he talks about four different postures of the heart, okay? I want to dive into these. He gives us four conditions of the heart that either prevent or promote entering into the kingdom. They either prevent or promote kingdom growth in our lives, okay? And so the first condition of the heart that we see Jesus mention is a hard heart. The hard heart. Jesus said that some of the seed fell along the path and it was simply trampled on and the birds ate it up. This seed never pierced the hard ground. It never took root. It never grew. This is the person who comes to church. They hear the word. They learn a lot of things about God. Maybe they memorize Bible passages, but that's it. They don't believe these passages. They don't obey them. They aren't changed by them or anything like that. It's crazy to me in our day and age that we have all of this access, maybe more than ever before, to, to all of these amazing Bible teachers and to all this information via YouTube and all this stuff. And yet in spite of all this, we can still remain unaffected and unchanged by the word of God personally. That we're getting a lot smarter for sure, right? We're learning a lot of things about God, but there's this gap. There's this 18 inches between our head and our hearts. And Jesus is showing us that, man, that, that, the, that the word of God has to drop from our head into our hearts to affect us personally. And yet so many of us simply harden our hearts from the word of God. It never moves that 18 inches down from our head into our hearts. And there's lots of different reasons for this, right? I'm reading a book right now by an apologist named Alyssa Childers. And one of the things that she points out is that many people today seem to almost have like an allergic reaction to God's word, that, that we're hearing it a lot, but, but we don't like it. We're, we're scoffing at it. We're classifying it more and more as regressive, bigoted, whatever. And some of us are continuing to learn more and more information about the Bible, but, but not so that it would take more root in our hearts but that, so that we could sort of twist it into the shape of our hearts so that we could change it a little bit, right? And it becomes a whole other gospel entirely. This false gospel that's sort of masquerading itself as the real thing. Now, I understand like that the Bible is, is like challenging, right? Like when I come to the Bible and I read it, there's a lot there that I, that I just go, man, like, like that's, that's hard, that's a challenge. But I just wanna ask like, like, what if we weren't closed off to that? What if, what if when we came to passages in the Bible that were challenging, what if instead of challenging the Bible, we let it challenge us? 
We let it do its job. You see, in this passage, what, what we're seeing is, is that the problem isn't with, with the sower who's scattering the seed. The problem isn't with the seed itself, right? It's with the soil, that the soil was too hard for the seed to penetrate into the ground. The problem is with the heart. Hebrews 4 says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Further down, the, the word of God is, is alive. It's active. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Listen, maybe for some of us, God and the Bible aren't the thing that needs to, to soften. Maybe it's us. Do we have a hard heart this morning? How is your heart when you hear the things of God? What's going on inside of your heart? Jesus is saying, beware this hard heart. That's the first posture. The next is the shallow heart. Jesus talks about, about this heart posture that's, that's kind of shallow. He says, these are the ones who receive the word with joy. When they, hear, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they have no root. And, and so they, they spring up really fast, and then they wither away. I was learning a little bit about this as I was sort of doing some research and reading, and, and what I found is that in the ancient Near East, there were a lot of areas that looked like they have, would have fertile soil, but really it was just like a couple inches of soil, and underneath of that was this bedrock. And so in ancient times, like lots of plants would spring up really fast, but within a day they would wither because they just ha didn't have any moisture or, or any root in them. Jesus is saying, don't be like these plants, okay? Don't be like these plants who, who simply wither. This is the person who gets real excited about the word. They get real excited about, about church. They have this emotional sort of high, but the moment things get hard and the moment trials come in and, and things get difficult, they give up. They wither like a plant. These are people who, who simply uh, feel things in their heart for God, but they lack an understanding of what following God really looks like. They never really knew what they were signing up for. My family um, lives in Florida, and so my wife and I, every once in a while, will travel down south to see them, and, and uh, fairly recently we, we did that, and we stopped at a hotel uh, in, like, the Tennessee area, and so I was sitting in the hotel, kind of scrolling through the channels, and, like, every channel on these, like, in these hotels in Tennessee are, like, Bible preachers. I don't know what it is about Tennessee, but it's, like, it's all Bible preachers, and so I'm scrolling through, and eventually it's, like, well, there's nothing else on, so I start watching this guy preaching, and one of the things that he said stuck out to me. He said, following Jesus will make your life better and will make you better at life. It'll, it'll make your life better, and it'll make you better at life, and I was, like, ooh, yeah, like that, that feels great, following Jesus, like it's, it's gonna make things better in my life and it got me kind of excited and I, I don't wanna say like, like that this isn't true, right? Because in some sense it is, right? Following Jesus, we get more of him. We begin to bear the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, all this good stuff happens when we follow Jesus, right? But at the same time, while I was watching this, I couldn't help but wonder if others watching knew that like following Jesus is hard sometimes too, <laughs> right? That, that yes, in Jesus, we get this abundant life, but it doesn't come without hardship and without trials and without struggle. That all around the world today, we're, we're, we're learning about, about Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. That it's not all just the good life for them, 
that it's very difficult. People are dying for their faith. Jesus himself was killed for the way that he lived. All of the people who were closest to Jesus were persecuted or died or, or killed for their faith early on. The apostle Paul, who was killed for his faith, said this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake, get this, I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, he says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Later on, he says, I want to know Christ, yes. I want to know the power of his resurrection and, though, participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. You see, when we follow Christ, we gain a lot, right? We, we, gain, we gain him, but we also lose a lot in the process. And if we're going to endure this walk with God, we got to know like what we've signed up for. We can't simply uh, just, just come to church week after week for these emotional highs. We have to dig our roots down. We have to seek to gain an understanding of what it really means to follow Jesus, to give more of ourselves to him so that we might receive more of this kingdom life that he offers to us. Jesus is saying, beware of simply having a shallow heart. If we wanna bear fruit in his kingdom, if we wanna really experience it, we need to deepen in our understanding of him. So that's the second one, the shallow heart. But then there's this, this third soil that he talks about as well, and this is the divided heart. And we can also have a divided heart as it relates to his kingdom. Jesus says, these are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And so they don't mature. They don't mature. To me, this group is actually the most concerning and the most kind of scary because you can't really tell if they're real Christians or not. With the other two groups that we've talked about thus far, like they all like fell away or never really became believers. And so it was easy to tell this group actually sticks around, right? The seed takes root. It even grows a little bit, but it just doesn't mature because it's crowded by these different thorns, right? It's crowded by money, comforts, control, all this stuff that, that's not bad in itself, right? But they become so large in our lives. They become so big that there's no room left for this seed, this gospel seed that God has planted in us to grow. I think if, if we're honest, and if I'm honest, this is, this is the soil that, that we relate most to, <laughs> This is the one that it's easy to, to fall, easiest to fall into. Because in this, in this soil, it's not like we ever stop worshiping God, right? We just slowly and over time start worshiping these other things as well. They start creeping in, taking a larger place in our hearts than they ought to. There's a pastor in New York named John Tyson. He, he unpacks it this way. He says, the things that overwhelm us and rob us of fruitfulness don't manifest themselves as grave spiritual threats aiming to rob us of our destiny. They just seem like life. Travel sports on weekends that rob us of local and religious connection. Season three of whatever on Netflix that takes time away from listening to our neighbors. Relentlessly checking social media which cultivates envy and erodes compassion. These things subtly seduce us and distort our vision of life. They take up space required for the gospel to thrive. Now, that's, that's a convicting quote, isn't it? Right? When we think about their, our lives, like, is there room in our lives for the gospel to truly thrive? 
right? Are you really experiencing this, this kingdom life that Jesus offers in your life? Are you growing? Are you seeing those in your family and in your workplace begin to grow around you and be affected? Or are you simply remaining stagnant, simply going through the motions in your faith? If so, maybe there's something competing for your heart. Just maybe there's, there's a thorn in your life that needs weeded out. Jesus is saying, beware of having, having this divided heart. If this is what our, our hearts look like, we'll never fully experience the true kingdom life that Jesus has to offer. We'll come in week, week in and week out and get all excited about the kingdom of God, but we'll never experience its true potency because it doesn't have the opportunity to mature and to grow in us. We need to make space for this and we need to have a receptive heart to receive his word. And this is the fourth and final heart posture that Jesus talks about. The receptive heart, okay? He says, this, this, is the good, this good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. That they retain it and they persevere and they produce this kingdom crop. They experience the real kingdom life that Jesus has to offer. I think many of us don't even think this is possible, <laughs> Right? We, we come into church, and, and maybe we've never seen an example of this. Maybe we think our lives are too messed up. And so we think, man, I'm never going to be able to persevere through this. I'm never actually going to bear a crop that, that impacts those, uh, those people in my lives that I want to experience the kingdom. This will never happen for me. But I want you to know this morning, this is not the case, right? That each one of us in here, whether, whether hard-hearted, shallow-hearted, divided in heart, each of us has the opportunity to receive a new heart, to receive this, this receptive heart. God says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You see, this receptive heart isn't something that we just like clench our fists and, and develop on our own. It's a gift that, that God gives to us that he walks, he enters in with us and he walks alongside of us and he cultivates this receptive heart within us. There's a famous pastor from the 1800s named Charles Spurgeon and he unpacks this, this heart posture in this way. He says, the ground here is described as good. Not that it was good by nature, but it, that, it, that it had been made good by grace. God had plowed it. He had stirred it up with the plow of conviction and there it lay in ridge and furrow as it should lie. Don't you love that 1800s language? When the gospel was preached, the heart received it. For the man said, this is just the blessing I want. Mercy is what a needy sinner requires so that the preaching of the gospel was the thing to give comfort to this disturbed and plowed soil. For some of us, we feel like, like our hearts have been disturbed and plowed by God. When, when we come to his word, when we, when we read passages like this, or maybe just going throughout, throughout the last couple weeks, maybe you've been feeling this, this sense that God has been tugging at your heart. The fancy word for this in the Bible is, is conviction. And it's really good to experience conviction from God because it's a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. That the heart that's receptive to God is simply a heart that knows that it needs God. Let me say that again. The heart that is receptive to God simply knows 
that it needs God. It's a heart that knows that it needs to come to the gardener. It admits that, it, that it's full of stones, that it's full of thorns, that it comes to the gardener and says, man, will you pull these out? And when we do that, when we come to him, I think he just, he looks at us and he says, absolutely. Like, I, I've been waiting for this. I took your thorns in my brow. I took your sin at the cross. I've, I've given you a new heart. And as he does this, and as we understand this, and we, we see his grace day by day, we begin to trust him more and more. We begin to grow with him. We walk alongside with him step by step. And like a plant, we begin to bear fruit. We begin to experience his kingdom life that he promises. This hope that will get us through all of this dark stuff in the world only comes from, from him, from being receptive and listening to his word. Jesus says to each and, each and every one of us this morning, if anyone has ears, let him hear. The simple question is, are we going to listen? Are we gonna listen to the voice of God in, in our life? Maybe, maybe your heart has been hardened towards the word of God. You've been reading it and, and going, nope, I don't like that. And you're, you just haven't even opened yourself up to, to try to understand it. Maybe this is where you're at. Will you let God soften your heart? Will you give it another shot? Will you seek a greater understanding of the word of God? Maybe you've been neglecting uh, pursuing God, spending time with God, being obedient to God because there's all of these other things in your life. Maybe there are, there are things in your life that, that need to be uh, reduced so that you might Lean on God a little bit more this week. Listen, however it is, will we allow God to meet us where we're at? Will we allow him to, to plow the soil of our hearts this week? Will we allow him to speak to us right where we're at?